0: This is Honest Math Chat and I'm Mona Eel of Mona Math. I'm a former math avoider turned math teacher cheerleader and I'm going to get real honest with you about math classroom culture, engagement, math discussions and all the student-centered instructional practices to help you empower your students to love and understand math deeply. So every Monday on Honest Math Chat, we're going to work together to make our classrooms places where students see themselves as mathematicians. But let's not wait. If you're ready to engage every learner and get them pumped about math, you've got to use Math Discussions. I welcome you to download the guide to engaging Math Discussions right now. Go to monamath.com slash discussions. You'll get all my best tips on how to guide on the side while getting every child meaningfully engaged in discussing their math thinking. I remember the day I first learned what the word grapple meant in the education setting. It honestly went against everything I thought I was supposed to be doing as a teacher. Wasn't I supposed to help my students learn by helping them? (laughs) My math coach encouraged me to just try letting students explore. And I believed in learning by doing. I worked at a school where that was literally the tagline on the sign under the school name, where learning has no boundaries. And it meant learning by doing. I was all about it. So I gave it a try in math. And I'll never forget the look on my students' faces. You want us to try what? You want us to do this and you're not going to tell us what to do? (laughs) The look was priceless. But I pumped them up and reminded them that this was just a story and they could do anything they wanted to answer the question at the end of the story. And much to my surprise at the time, they went back to their seats and they got out their blocks and drew pictures and they at least tried. And my confidence in grapple time grew and grew. And before I knew it, I was a firm believer that productive struggle was where it was at. I realized that both things could be true. I could help my students, but I could also help my students help themselves. I was in the business of developing problem solvers, innovators, and world shakers, not rule followers. I didn't want them to fit the mold and reproduce the status quo. That's not what we're doing here. So I committed to productive struggle. I committed to providing my students time in math to grapple just like I did in every other part of our day. And that's when everything changed. Okay, I'm truly not trying to overstate how important grapple time is to my students in my classroom. However, it is really important. But let's pump the brakes here and get a definition, a common definition. So I always tend to look to Principles to Actions, which is a book that kind of just has it all for me. I talk about it on like every podcast. So if you haven't checked it out, it's a pretty short book, but it's dense and it's from NCTM. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Anyway, here's what they say about productive struggle. They define it as this. Students struggle because those are the opportunities for developing more deeply into understanding the mathematical structures of problems and relationships among mathematical ideas instead of simply seeking correct solutions. They go on to say that focusing on student struggle and allowing students to struggle is a necessary component of teaching, teaching that supports students learning math with understanding. Productive struggle leads to long-term benefits with students more able to apply their learning to new problem situations. So basically, they're saying if we're trying to teach our students for understanding, we have to let them figure it out. Now, I want to be clear here. I am not saying you let them struggle forever. I'm not saying all of math class is discovery. Often, my grapple time is seven to eight minutes, maybe ten. It's not a long amount of time before we're breaking things down, sharing our thinking, talk about, talking about it in a math discussion, coming up with patterns and conjectures. However, that productive struggle time for seven to eight minutes before any teaching or talking is done is essential. All right. If we commit to productive struggle in our classrooms, then we must rethink our roles. As teachers, we have to step out of the provider of help role just for this amount of time, just for grapple time. So don't, don't stop listening. <laughs> we have to give up on that need to fix their problems for them, right? Get them to that instant understanding. We have to realize that when students don't get it, that doesn't mean that we need to like rush in and tell them exactly what to do and walk them through the steps, Okay. I wonder if you can relate to this example from my own classroom. I'm teaching a math lesson on multiplying fractions. Whew. A moment for multiplying fractions. Yep, yeah. I'm presenting the strategy and I see blank stares, right? But I continue on with my checks for understanding and I'm modeling the skill. Nope. Still not going well. In the name of productive struggle, I send the little babies back to their seats to figure it out. I give give it their best shot. Take a risk, kids. I remind them that this is a safe space and their thinking matters more than their ax- answers. And students return to their seats and they are visibly frustrated. Of course, there are two to three that jump in and remember what I showed them so they get their reproducing of my models on their paper, right? However, many of them are whispering, looking around, sharpening pencils, messing with their binders. I walk around saying encouraging words and reminding them to just get something down on paper with only a few minutes left. Come on, get your thinking written down. I need to see it. And this continues. Blank papers, frustrated looks. I realize they can't do it. So I call their attention to the board and I break it down step by step, walking them through it. I have them do the problem on their paper as I do it on the board. Slowly, the smiles come back and soon they're nodding along with me. And most students are with me, feeling better. And I've accomplished my mission to ensure that every child loves math and feels success. Have you been there? But wait a minute, that's not actually productive struggle. What I just described to you sounds like productive struggle, but it's actually unproductive struggle. Teachers are often too quick to jump in, myself included, and break down the task and guide students through the problem step by step especially when they see them upset or frustrated or giving up because we worry that they might not like math. We might kill their confidence. But this, what I just described that I did in my classroom, this really undermines students' effort. And it takes away their opportunity to do the cognitively demanding work of math it lowers the bar. And that's not what I was trying to do in that scenario, in that lesson. I know it's not what you're trying to do. But when we don't allow our students to productively struggle and feel what it feels like to not know and make a decision to do the next thing, then we take away their opportunity for learning for learning math, for learning how to be a productive citizen, for learning how to be a learner. So how do we build students' confidence while also letting them struggle? That is the question that is always on my mind. And I wonder if it's on your mind too. Here we go. Students' confidence in self-efficacy is built when they are given opportunities for success. Measuring success based on effort and participation helps students see their capabilities and strengths. Okay, let's break that down. Our students believe that they can. That's what self-efficacy means. And they have confidence in themselves to do the math when they are given opportunities for success. So looking back at that example, my students weren't set up for success. So something in that lesson was off, right? I chose the wrong learning goal. Maybe they needed more with a certain skill. Maybe it was an off day. Something was off with them being set up for success. However, we have to measure success based on effort and participation because that shows our students that they are capable of things and that they have strengths. And as a human being, you have to feel capable and that you have strengths in order to get up every day and move on, right? In order to tackle the challenges that your job brings to you. If every time um, an inventor at NASA is, you know, loses their confidence because something went wrong on a rocket, we wouldn't have space exploration, right? If medical professionals lose their confidence and self-efficacy every time they make the wrong call or they make a mistake, then we wouldn't have medical professionals. We have to, as human beings, see that our effort and our participation leads to our continual growth, right? Okay, I'm getting all excited over here. Let me give you an example. When I give my first graders a task, like there are three baskets on the playground and each basket had five jump ropes in them, okay? How many jump ropes are there on the playground? My students' confidence is built when they are able to work through the problem independently. They see that they can solve this complex problem by using their own thinking, tools, and reasoning. Then they are able to explain it to a friend and help them understand their thinking. This helps students feel, quote, smart in math, right? Because they have the ability to show others how they solved. Self-efficacy is the belief that you can achieve the goal, right? So now when the student sees a complex word problem next time, they will remember, oh yeah, I solved that groups of problem last time. I can do this one. This one's this one's not as hard, right? Whatever. So giving them those experiences allows them to tackle future problems. Building students' confidence and self-efficacy happens through productive struggle. However, productive struggle can only happen within a safe and supportive classroom environment. Having clear norms and expectations is the first step. And then you have to implement accountability for those norms. For example, if the norm is we don't laugh at someone's strategy or thinking, then when a child laughs, you have to do something. Go back and listen to episode 75 for how I handle when students break our norms in our classes. I go through lots of examples of what I would say and how I would say it. I even give you a framework to use when responding to disruptive behaviors. So in addition to having clear norms and expectations and an accountability system for those norms, Creating a predictable routine helps your students feel safe to take risks and productively struggle because they know exactly what to expect. So that's why I love doing this every day inside of our word problem workshop where we grapple with one word problem every day and then we break it down and work together to create our collective understanding. But I want to take you on a path to productive struggle, okay? We're going to break down PATH, P-A-T-H, and I'm going to give you these four steps for your path to productive struggle. So P is provide support to promote students' thinking and problem solving. And here's the support that I want you to provide them. I want you to provide them with manipulatives. I want you to provide them with a lot of space on their paper to solve, so that they can draw models, so that they can write out their thinking, so that they can make mistakes, cross it out, and have enough space to start again. I want you to provide support through discussion time, through turn-in talks, through whole group discussion, and I want you to provide support with questions. Try taking the statements or the things you would tell students to do and turn them into questions. All right. A is all about asking questions to support without removing the challenge. We want our questions to promote our students to think deeper about the math. We want them to inspire students to take the next step or nudge them along on that trajectory and that progression of understanding. We don't want our questions to become the GPS for our students, right? Where we ask them a question which really has no answer but uh-huh. <laughs> Have you done that before? Where you're like in the in the hundreds place there's yep, yeah, 5, yep. Mhm. Right? We we don't want questions like that. We want open-ended questions that are going to provide support while also allowing our students to still interact with the challenge of the complex tex- tasks that we are giving them. Okay, PAT gives students tasks that allow them to problem solve and reason without reaching frustration level. Your choice of a math task for your students to productively struggle with is essential you have to get a task that allows students to experience success without reaching frustration level. You are the experts of your students. This is a reason why I love a good curriculum, but I also love a teacher's brain and know-how and expertise way more. It's because you're the expert on your student. And if you don't feel like you can choose the right task right now, that's okay. You just have to do a little bit more at getting to know your students as mathematicians and developing that relationship with them. And then you'll be choosing problems, no problem. (laughs) Pun intended. All right. Four is P-A-T-H, H, -H. have confidence in your student's ability to problem solve without your step-by-step guidance and watch them impress you. When you trust that they can do this and you show that to them, they will impress you. I guarantee it. For too long, we've worried about helping students overcome challenges and to get to that feeling of success as quickly as possible. That's been our focus as teachers. But in an age where we want our students to be the next inventors, scientists, professionals, right? We need them to be problem solvers. We have the tools in our pockets to solve the simple problems quickly, to get the answer at the like in seconds. So instead of creating kid calculators, we have to support our students in learning what it means to work through a challenge, to come up with nothing and then try something else. We have to help our students confront failure with a mindset and an attitude of gratitude for the opportunity to learn. As Carol Dweck said, for the last few decades, many parents and educators have been more interested in making students feel good about themselves in math than in helping them achieve. Let's change that today by including productive struggle into our classrooms every day. Use the path to productive struggle. And then let me know how it goes. I hope today that you realize that productive struggle isn't a whole new thing. It's just a little part of your day that allows your students to develop confidence and self-efficacy. Thank you so much for listening to Honest Math Chat. You are the reason why I do this. You're the reason why I sit in a closet with headphones and a microphone and record my math teacher thoughts because I want you to have confidence in your ability to teach math in ways where students will learn and understand math, but also love it and see the joy in math. And I want you to find the joy in teaching math again. So thank you so much for listening every week. I hope you're sharing this with other teachers in your building and people you know from college and life that are teachers. If you haven't shared it with your teacher friends, do that now. Be like, hey, this girl Mona has this podcast about teaching math. I know we don't love teaching math, but it's kind of a cool podcast and, you know, give it a listen. That would mean the absolute world to me if you shared it because the goal here is to get the message out to more teachers. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll see you next Monday. Well, that was your dose of honest math chat for today, friend. Thanks so much for listening. It would mean so much to me if you subscribed, shared this podcast with your friend, or leave a comment. If you have not downloaded my free guide that I made in response to the questions you have all about engaging your students in math discussions, go grab it, monamath.com slash discussions. And if you have other questions that I haven't answered, shoot me a DM on Instagram at hellomonamath. I can't wait to chat more with you next week. Remember, we're here every Monday. I'm always listening on my way to work. When do you listen? See you soon, friend.